Hey, church. Hey, so let me talk to you a little bit about this card. This is an important time for us every year at City Life. Last, listen, last year, we're going to be doing our business meeting uh, from 4, 4 to 6, the last Sunday uh, of February. So if you're new to the church, that's definitely a meeting that you don't want to miss because it's a celebration for us for what God has done through the church. And then also we cast vision financially for what, what's to come. Last year, over $50,000 flowed through this campus and the Suffolk. Come on, you can clap for that. Just, just through missions giving, I'm telling you, it, it's amazing for the size church that we are between our two campuses. And so every year we each fill out one of these cards. There's, there's two blanks on here. The first one is just a monthly commitment. That's the way you do that is you just look at your budget. You make some sacrifices. And you say, we're going to give a certain amount of money every month during the entire year of 2018 to missions. A hundred percent of that money. None of that money stays here. All of that money goes into foreign missions. Faith promise is the second thing that you fill lot. If you're new to Faith Promise, it's, it's exciting to do because it's a way for God to move supernaturally in your life. You pray, God gives you a number, then you begin to believe by faith that he's going to provide that number, and when he does, then you give that to the church, 100% of that goes to missions. We don't want you to put your name on here. This isn't a pledge drive. Nobody's following up with you. This is just between you and the Lord. I'm telling you, if it's easy a lot of times for people to do the first part. It's the second part sometimes that makes people uncomfortable, especially if you're a planner, especially if you want to have all the details worked out. If you Take that step of faith. I'm telling you, you're going to have an incredible story to tell. We're going to be sharing a story next week of what happened to somebody this past year uh, through their faith promise giving. So we're going to be collecting these at the end of the month, at the end of the month. And so you're going to have time to pray and really seek. And we trust that God's going to speak to you and that this year is going to be another banner year for our faith promise giving. So, hey, we're in for a treat tonight. Pastor Paul Joe Hansen is going to be sharing a message with us. Uh, he, I've known him my entire adult life. Vanessa's grown up with him. Uh, he and his wife Gloria as family friends. Uh, Twelve years on the missions field in Kenya. Uh, he's the founder of New York School of Urban Ministry. He's a former president of Elam Bible College, and and that was just getting him warmed up for everything that he does now. Right? He travels all over the world uh, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's going to have some resources available if you want to check those out uh, down by the cafe at the end of the service. The proceeds of that fund his missions travels. I know he would never say this about himself, uh, but for Vanessa and I, I know that he and his wife Gloria, they are living modern day prophets and they're heroes in the faith for us. And so I would ask that you would give Pastor Paul Johansson a warm City Life welcome as he comes. Paul wants me to say hello to y'all, and I'm very happy to be here tonight and to worship the Lord with you. It's just really wonderful. We were looking forward to this time when we could uh, be together and see what God's doing in uh, Newport News and, of course, Hampton and, and in Virginia. Uh, we're, you know, I'm a Michigander person, uh, but I married a New York City guy. And, and then we, when we moved down here 12 years ago, it was another education, but we really love it and we're so happy to be here. But I just wanted to tell you what I felt the Lord shared with me during the worship service. It was just wonderful and, and there was a cry in my heart, too, spirit, come down. And I know in these days, uh, there are so many voices, and uh, we uh, hear so many things, and we see our country in such turmoil. And uh, I just heard a, a cry. You know, we used to sing a chorus, and I know I, w- I 
grew up Baptist, so we used to sing this chorus. There's a, uh, there's a call comes ringing o'er the restless waves, send the light, send the light. Well, I heard the Spirit say tonight that if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then Spirit will come down. Then he will bless. Then he will prosper. But you know, there's a cry in my heart in these days that he would come down, that he would reign uh, supreme. And so I want you to join me tonight in just believing God as we join our hearts together. Second uh, Chronicles 7:14. If my people, and I know young people, if we will do that, God will do mighty things. I know he's already doing mighty things, but these are great days to be alive in. We've, we've been married almost 62 years. We've seen God do some, yeah. And we've seen God do some awesome, awesome things in our lives uh, as we went into full-time ministry right after we uh, were married. And uh, we met at Elam Bible Institute, you know. But, um, and sometimes they call it Elam Bridal Institute. But we've had the joy of serving God, not only in the States, but overseas. And we've seen God do wonderful things. But our responsibility is to cry out to him in these days because he's going to do it again. He said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and I want my flesh to see that. So may you be encouraged tonight as we are here together. I, I know he's going to speak to us. He already has. I feel like I could go home right now, and I've, you know, been filled, but I just trust that God will uh, just strengthen each one of them as we go out into the world, uh, leaving this place tonight. We'll be fired up to serve him and see him do wonderful things. Thank you, honey, for that word. You've got some great leaders here. Uh, the whole idea of hearing the voice of that child the brother shared. You know, that voice, when you walk, becomes the assurance that you're on the right path. I just know you're there, Lord. I don't feel anyone around me. I don't know what's happening, but I know you're here because you promised that you would be with me, never leave me. And I thought of the, when the brother was sharing about the child, his precious young daughter that is now two, I thought of that. It finally came to where Jesus had to stand before the, 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 the tomb of Lazarus and say, Lazarus, come forth. Because even when you're dead, you know his voice. Death cannot separate you from his voice. Hallelujah. It's good for us to be here. We thank God for it. I appreciate so much uh, the testimonies and this worship, and really, you're doing a great job here. Yes, we did serve uh, overseas in Africa. We established a Bible college there, and the amazing part about it was, and I know I don't look that old, but I went back to celebrate a few months ago, 50 years of that Bible school. They named a building after it. The Bible school has put out hundreds of young men and women. It's a beautiful campus there in Nairobi. And uh, also, I went to speak at the church that I established there. That church holds about 1,500 or so, maybe 2,000 now. And uh, we built that in 19, uh, 
67, 67, I think it was. And it has been going ever since, packed out. And it has built 70 more churches in the city of Nairobi and 300 outside. We are grateful for the way that a little seed grew in the right place. And as you invest in the, in the work that is being done by these various mission organizations, and when you, when you take your, your gift, you must give it in faith. Otherwise, it's only a gift. Only it's paper. That's all it is. But when it goes in faith, it has with it an anointing. It has with it a power that it will take. Because everything you do, you do by faith. It brings about the purpose for which it is given. Because when that money goes, and, and I'm sure the pastor could, could say that if you can't give a lot, well, just put down, uh, I'll give $120, $10 a month. The idea is not how much, it's that everybody be included. Everybody be on board. Otherwise, it's not three people paying all the bills. It's all of us involved because God wants to bless all of us. He wants the blessing to come out. And you will, be, you will share in the victories that are gained. Well, very small, a very small price to pay for the tremendous victories that are being gained in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm very privileged to be here. Uh, the end of this year, I told you I was in, I was in Nairobi. Then before that, I, I came back, and, and then we went to, uh, to England. I was in England uh, at, a, at a place where we call it Battelle, where drug addicts are being saved uh, by the hundreds, by the hundreds. And they're so on fire for God. It's unbelievable. And I was with them, and then I came home, and then we went back out. And uh, just two days ago, yesterday, I booked a ticket to... To, um, to Singapore and China. It's my sixth trip to China. We uh, have begun. We are a part of what we call Elam Fellowship, which is a fellowship. It's not an organization. It's not a denomination. And uh, 16 years or 15 years ago, I joined one of our people that had gone out to China, and he had found great favor with the people. In fact, so good he married one of the Chinese girls, and they have a great family, and uh, his name is Kevin. And uh, uh, he uh, has been doing this, growing and bringing churches and bodies together all over China. And when I go, we always meet only basically with the leadership. Uh, if you want big meetings, China is the wrong place to go because you'll only have at the most between 40 and 60 people, never more than that, because they cannot meet in big groups. Um, but uh, if you want big meetings, you can go to India. There's thousands. I've spoken to 20,000 there at one time. It's huge amounts because the gospel is free there, but not in China. And we'll be going there uh, in two or three months to meet with the top leadership again and see how God is bringing it. They finally agreed to call themselves Elam China. And so they have been growing. There's millions. There's millions not just hundreds, millions of people that are being saved and amazing. No matter what you hear about China, just under the surface, there is a tremendous move of God. People being saved everywhere. And when the, when the communist government starts to get really, there will be a resistance. There will be a divine resistance to moving that country in the wrong direction. So we believe in God for them. Stay aware. Keep your ear to the ground. Uh, don't worry what, what goes on television. That, 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 that's here today and gone tomorrow. Keep your eyes in the book. Someone said, are you in Facebook? I said, no, I keep my face in the book. So the key is that we have to find a way to serve God together. 
Well, I'm glad to be here. It's my first time. I'm praying it's not my last because we just love you. Great people in this area. I want to speak to you for a few moments about something that really, and wherever I go, I try to share a little bit of this because it's who I am now. You know, sometimes something comes to you by the word of the Lord, and uh, and someone said to me, "Well, what, what are you gonna? What message are you gonna give?" And uh, usually, at my age, I say to them, "Well, I am the message." <clears throat> so whatever I feel is what I'm gonna say. <laughs> and because when you get to be eighty something, uh, which I am, so I have to say, "Okay." And even walking up here, that was my first miracle coming up. I know, I know you're testing me. You're testing me for the miraculous. I know that. I know, I understand. I understand. What I want to talk to you about tonight is that sometimes we go through life and, and things, things hurt us along the way. Actually, Jesus said to the disciples, blessed are those or happy are the people who are not upset by how I run their lives. <clears throat> what, a, what a word for Jesus give his disciples when things were not going so good. He said, you know, you're happy if you're not upset, if you're not offended by how I run your lives. And all of us say, Lord, lead my life, and then he starts to lead us. But I want you to know that you're here tonight, and all that it took to bring you here, God was there. God was there even when it didn't seem like he was there. My being raised in New York, uh, being raised there, going to school in Manhattan, all these things through my life have brought me to an understanding, especially with people and people of all ethnic groups. That's where I, that's where I functioned from the very beginning. God knew her then to, to Africa, spending years with those people and loving each one and staying with them when I get there now. We don't stay in hotels. We stay with people that we learn to love and walk with. And here is a scripture I want to give you. The word here is, as I said, on top here, faith defines your future. Now, we're going to look at this scripture here because it has a great meaning. And I only saw it some months ago. I saw the, the genuine truth that was in this, in this present. So if you got your Bible, you want to look with it on Genesis 20, 35. I think I look up on the, on the board to read it with you to make sure we're both reading the same thing and, uh, and so on. And God said to him, and God said to him, I'm God Almighty, be fruitful, multiply a nation, and a company of nations shall be of you. From your loins will come forth kings. Next verse. Is there another one there? And the land that I gave to Abraham, to Isaac, I will give to you, and to your seed after you, I will give, give them the land. Now, let's get the, the, the foundation of this. Here is a, a lineage. Here is Abraham. Uh, who has heard the word of the Lord, and the, and the Lord said to him, uh, I, I want to give you something, but you're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to walk not knowing where you're going. Nobody likes that. Nobody. But he said, I will do it, Lord. A heathen person heard from God and interacted and obeyed and walked not across the street. He walked hundreds of miles until ultimately he went up through Damascus and all finally down he came into what we know today as uh, the land of, of Palestine or Israel. God gave him a promise. 
And that promise was, I'll give you the land. Somewhere in that place, he goes to the top of the mountain, and God said, and God always says, because every promise God gives, he defines that promise. And he says to Abraham, I want you to go to this mountain. He goes, he said, he says, look, now if you come two or four verses earlier than that incident, you will find that that little, little uh, uh, eager beaver, Lot, his nephew, was saying, I want my land. Uh, this land here is you. You're, you. I want to be by myself. I want more land. Uh, it's good for my cattle. I want to go where my cattle can go. And Abraham said, okay, take whatever you want. Take whatever you want. So he looked way to the well-watered, uh, fertile plains of Jordan, and he said, that's what I want. The problem, it was near a very ungodly city, Sodom and Gomorrah. Ultimately, Lot got lost in that city, and ultimately he lost his wife, and ultimately he was saved just by the skin of his teeth, as it were. Now, God, he's told Lot, take, but then God said, I know you told that to Lot, but I want you to come to the mountain. I want you to look. And I want to define the promise to you. Look as far as you can to the north. Look as far as you can to the south, the east and to the west. Do you see what you see? That is the promise. And out of you will come kings, and I will give you the land. They shall raise up other generations. That was the promise. Along came Isaac, the son of Abraham, and God gave him the exact same promise because the promise does not automatically go to the next generation. It must be received afresh in every generation. Someone said, well, you know, so-and-so is the pastor, and I am the son, I'm getting the church. Not unless God speaks to you do you get the church. It isn't just passed on simply because it's a baton passed on in a family. We know where that's happened, and it hasn't worked out well. We need to receive. So Isaac receives the promise. And finally, we come to Jacob, who's been running all over the place doing his own thing. And God said, I will bless. And listen to that promise. Let's put the, just the word promise. There it is, the unbreakable promise, the promise. There's only three words I want you to remember tonight. One is promise, the other is process, and the other is potential. I want you to hear very clearly because God gives a promise. I don't know who you are tonight, where you've come from, but we are people of promise. We are people of promise. We could actually call ourselves people of the horizon where heaven meets earth. We walk there. We walk in that horizon territory, understanding. And God has a way of bringing us to that place. We've walked far away from God, and slowly as we walk into the distance, we come to the horizon, the meeting of heaven and earth. And I trust tonight that as you hear this word, you will see that you've been on the way to this horizon for a long time. You've been walking, and all of us in one way or another have walked that, going to school, being raised in a family, maybe having money, not having money, having this and that and the other. Things have happened. But the thing that I want you to see, and is one major point, this promise is very important. Because as, as God gave to Abraham this promise, and gave it to Isaac, and gave it to Jacob, and uh, we don't hear it going after that. We don't hear a whole lot after that. And they got divided, and they got, and they got, and they, and they were diversified. They were scattered, and so on. 
So the fact that it was given to three, three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, does not mean it's going on unless there is a generation to receive that. And we are that generation because God has given a promise. And the promise is that I am always with you. I will never leave you. These are the promises God gave to you. Now, when you feel alone, he has given you a promise. I will keep you. He said, you are mine. He said, I tell you, I have even got names that remind you of who I am. I have a name called Jehovah Jireh. I will always provide for you. I will always bring you through. He's given us other names about himself, which say that he's our righteousness. He is our peace. He's our strength. The promises of God are the bedrock. And listen, whenever you pray, there is no prayer stronger than a prayer that is linked to a promise of God. When you link that prayer to a promise, you are on solid territory. Otherwise, you may be praying, Lord, I hope that this happens here. And, and just, you know, bless Johnny and Susie. And, and, and you go on. After a while, you got to slap yourself and wake up and get, get real here. Because you have to say, Lord, where is the promise upon which I am drawing the faith in order to see an answer? Because a promise is the basis of the faith. All of these promises were given, powerful promises. In fact, Peter says that there have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises. Talking about it in 2 Peter 1.4. Beautiful promises. He says these great promises that we have received, whereby we are made partakers of the divine nature of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means that when there's a promise, I, I've, I've come to a conclusion myself, it's my own personal conclusion, and that my God promise, my God shall supply all of your needs. There's a promise. I don't think he said greeds, but I think it still needs that he's working with. But like the kid was praying one day, and he said, oh God, give us our bread and our butter and this. And he said, by the way, could you put some jam on that bread? You know, God's good at putting jam on bread. He goes the extra mile. You know, you, depending on God, another young kid was praying, and he said, God bless Auntie Susie and, and Uncle John and Grandpa and Grandma, and they stopped. And he said, now, God, take care of yourself. If anything happens to you, we're all dead. <clears throat> I say that all the time to myself. God, if anything happens to you, we are finished. We don't have, we don't have plan B. This is the only plan we've got that he will take us through. He will never deny us. He will always take care of us. That's the promise. But with that promise, there is a process. And that process is going to come here. Now I want to read a scripture. Remember, we're now moving. We got the promise solid. Promise is solid. There it is. It's not. You see, a promise is contingent upon the person who gave it. See? A, a promise, if, if I tell my son, uh, actually one time we were in Africa, and I, 
I had gone by a little auction house in, in, in Nairobi, and I said to my wife, I, I saw a bicycle, the three-wheel bike with a chain on it, you know, and I said, I think I could get it. And they usually had about the time something would be auctioned off. So I, I went by it, and, uh, and, I, and, I, and I bought it. Not a whole lot of money, you know, just there it was. And uh, my wife said that my son sat on the little cur little curb outside of our house in Nairobi, waiting most of the day. So sure. I mean, I wasn't sure I would even buy it at the auction. I have a certain limit, and that's it. But he was so excited when I brought it. See, you just wait. You know. If Daddy said it, it's going to happen. If Daddy said it, you can bank on it. It will happen because the promise is not contingent on how strong you feel. It's how great he is. That's what makes a promise work. And so the process. Now, this is where we bog down a little bit, the process, to get us from here to there. Because the process will take us to the next word, which is potential. But right now, we're in the process. Now, watch. Right after God gives that promise... I'm in the same chapter 35 of Genesis. Right after that promise, I give you this here. And they, we're talking about this guy, Jacob, and his wife, Rachel. They're on their way. Uh, they've, been, they've been on the way for some time. And she's very, very pregnant from Bethel. And there was but a little way to come. They're almost at the place of Ephra. Uh, and, and, and Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. Now, some scripture says Rachel had hard, hard labor. In other words, it probably was a day or two. It was under great stress. And, and it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, fear not, you shall have this son also. Let's hold steady right here. Let's go back a little history now again. Jacob loved Rachel. I mean, Rachel knocked his eyeballs out when the first time he saw him. He was totally gone with that lady. But the father, her father, was a little bit the manip manipulator, and he said, well, if you're my daughter, seven years. Work seven years. How many of you guys be married if you work seven years for your wife? <laughs> I'm glad the lights are out. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand, please. Please. One year? Uh, maybe. Two? Uh, you're losing me now. You don't care? And he worked, and because of the conniving Laban that was her father, he did a number and put a heavy veil on her face, uh, on, on her sister's face called Leah, and Leah, and he sent Leah down to the altar to get, to get married, and he married the wrong woman. They say love is blind, but I don't think it's that blind myself. Now he's married to Leah. He still doesn't have Rachel. What I'm trying to get across to you is that he loves this Rachel with everything in his heart, more than the other wives that he finally got. But, but this is Rachel. This is Rachel. Seven more years he works, and the, and the old man, her father, said, you know, you're doing so good. Don't you think another seven would be good? He worked another seven years. Now, she had one child. And that child was the number one primo. This is the child, and his name is Joseph. 
that is the son. The Joseph you read about in Potiphar's house and, and, and so on, Egypt, that's the son we're talking about. And as a result of the conniving of the sons of Jacob, which were not sons of Rachel, and Rachel was doting over that kid, made him a special coat and all the other things, Joseph was sold into slavery. And Jacob never heard from him again. There was no connection until the very end of the book of Genesis. But God was taking him a certain journey. So now that son is gone. That's his favorite, his favorite wife. Now he's on the road. I give you the background. Here is uh -huh, the second son, the second child. He doesn't know what it's going to be. He hadn't had a sonogram. He didn't have a sonograph. So he didn't know. He, he just hanging in there. You know what I mean? Sonogram, none of, none of those things. And the midwife says, while the child is being born, ha-ha, it is a male child. And in her suffering, Rachel says, I want to name him. Benoni, the son of my suffering. But Jacob's in the other room, and he hears it. He's, oh, hold it, hold it. Oh, no, no, no. You don't do that to my son. Now, you cannot blame it because, as the, as the record has it, the labor was so intense and so hard, she died right there after she delivered the child. So it was a major, major hard delivery. And here is Jacob in the other room. It's, it's now a child. It's a son. He was thrilled. It's a son. And in her dying breath, Rachel is saying, in tears, suffering, and hurt, and pain, she's saying, call him Benoni. He is the child of my suffering. Jacob said, no, you're not going to do that. I want to call him Benjamin, the son of my right hand. See, Ben, that son, Nomi being the suffering here, we have Benoni, Benjamin, Ben for son, and Jaman for, for the, the son of my right hand or a, the son of my authority. You see, you see, in this section right here, you find that there are people that have gone through life because they came from a place of suffering. And the problem is, here's the key point tonight. Here's the key sentence. The problem is that these people have defined themselves by the process and not the promise. When you define yourself by the process, you come out Benoni. When you define yourself by the promise, you come out Benjamin.
Imagine living his whole life under the spell of suffering. Such as how heartless precious little children can be sometime. You killed your mother. Where is your mother? I'm sure growing up, there would be those kind of innuendos and words that are said, but they didn't say it because he was Benjamin, the son of his father's right hand. I don't know what it is in life. Someone goes through life and, and they say, well, I'm a, who are you? Well, I'm a divorced person. They name themselves after the process. That's not who you are. Or, you know, I was this here and I was on drugs and I'm a druggie and I was in this. I would have and, and so you're still allowing the process to define your potential, which is the next P I will bring up, not right now. I want to take a moment with you to ask you tonight, what is it in the process that has been so offensive, so harsh, so injurious that you've allowed it to define and to name you going forward? I don't know. I was, I was raised in New York. I was raised in a Christian family. I was raised in New York. And many things are said. Many people can put you down, and especially if you're raised in a city. The, city. the city is a little tricky. The city does not like you to get ahead of them. So if you're on the line, you get an elbow in your face. No, no, don't just hang in there. Don't get impatient here, uh, you know. And so they try to keep you all in line, keep you all the same. If you're in the hood, it's going to stay with the, you're going to stay in the you're not getting out. If you're going there, all of these little cliques and clans and, and, and things going on. And so you have a chance to go forward, and yet you define yourself by the process that God brought you through to bring you here tonight, to make you who you are. It might be that there were difficulties. There might be that you were making some money and, and you were going off the charts with money, and then you went bankrupt. But, but that's part of the process. And if you continue to hone in on the process, you will never embrace the promise. I spent a few minutes with you explaining the promise. The promise was, I'm going to bless you. The promise was, I'm going to use you. The promise was, I'm going to heal you. They sang it tonight. Beautiful song, I will heal you. All of these promises come from God. And Peter said it the best of all, that whereby are given us precious promises that we can partake, we can embrace the very nature of Jesus Christ. What a powerful scriptures that the promises provide the basis upon which I can be sure that my life is solid in Christ. And so, whatever it happens to be, whatever it happens to be, my prayer for you is that you do not allow yourself to be drawn down. You know, years ago, I always tell this little story. Years ago, we were in Nairobi, and on the edge of Nairobi, there's a, there is a, uh, um, um, basically a fence. 
Nairobi is the only city in the world where the, the lions are on that side of the fence and the people on this side of the fence. So the people are thankful for the fence. I'm not sure the lions are thankful for the fence. Other, other nations, not, it's not that way. You've got to go a long way to get to the reserve. And we were out there visiting in the reserve, having a little, a little uh, picnic, the area called Picnic Area. I wasn't sure who, whose picnic it was, um, but we used to go out there and hang there. And, uh, and it was down, a little river down. Wherever there's a little river out in Africa, trees grow up there. And in the trees, monkeys and baboons and uh, all of these, these, these uh, tree creatures hang loose. And uh, we were sitting there and talking. So I had another, another mission family with us. And uh, I was talking this way. And my daughter, she was four. She was, uh, we decide, probably three, three years old. And she was wearing a yellow dress or something. I could remember that in my mind. And, and suddenly we looked to there. And, and a big baboon picked her up and carried her off. Now I was looking in the book what to do when a baboon takes your daughter. And I couldn't. <laughs> The book was just not there. It was not coming up at that moment. And this big baboon, this granddaddy baboon, took this little girl, and he, he was going like this. And you couldn't even, I could only see his back. And the, the, the skirt was, uh, the dress was coming out the side, and he was going like that, just carrying her away. And I was like, whoa, there's a problem here. <laughs> but then we realized something. She was carrying a banana. And we realized it wasn't the, the, he didn't want her, he wanted the banana. And so we screamed, this, my wife and I and another couple, throw down the banana, throw down the banana. God, we were praying that for once in her life she would hear that, because he was heading for the trees. I thought, oh, this is not good. And she threw the banana down, he put her down, picked her down, and went up in the tree, peeled it back, and laughed at all of us. I'm going to say something, and that is that sometimes life has put something in your hand that you hang on to that the enemy doesn't want you. He wants that. As long as you hang on to it, you're his slave. You're in caps. He has you. He's connected. It could be a relationship. It could be money. It could be a certain problem. It could be a sin that was committed that you have to let go of and forgive it and get on with your life. But you hang on to it, and the enemy will use what you hang on to to abuse you. He'll use that to abuse you. And she threw it down. She was free. You see, the process is long. The process doesn't happen overnight. Listen, the time is going. Let me go with it. There's the process. Let's go. Now, hold it. Hold one second. Now, what we have said is that we have to go, remember, we have to go to the promise to identify the potential. Are you there? Let's say it again slowly. You have to go to the promise to identify the potential. It is not the process that identifies the potential. Please hear me. No matter what's happened, that is the process, but it does not violate the promise because the promise is God's promise. The process is what the world has to do and the attacks you've taken along the word and the fact that you're here tonight, you're in, you're in good shape. You're still alive. You're still vertical, and that's good. 
What did he say in that promise? He said, you're going to be a great nation. He said, uh, out of you is going to come kings. That, that's the promise to who? To Jacob. Now, none of his other sons, he had other sons there that were there. They're the ones that sold their brother Joseph. Joseph's out of the picture as far as they know it. He's dead and gone. Never worry about him anymore. But God's hands on his life as well, and he's gone through a process as well. You see, Joseph went second to the king from Jacob. Even Jacob didn't even know where his son was. But God knew because God was fulfilling a prophecy that out of you will come kings. Now jump into the next one, and you'll find the next scripture here comes up. The next scripture will be 1 Samuel 9, 21. And Saul answered, this is Saul. Which Saul answered? This is Saul, Old Testament Saul, king of Israel, first king of Israel. And, uh, and then there were a few after that, but they, they, the, all, the, Israel went downhill after this. The first king of Israel. And it says there that Saul answered and said, am I not a, a what? Uh, Benjamin, am I not one of the children of Benjamin? Now, now, Jacob's not even around now, but the promise is alive after you're gone. Because you didn't make the promise. He made the promise. And when you put your children into his hands and he said, I'll bring them through... You have to believe that he will do what he said he would do. And whether you're here or you're not here, that promise is as good as the day you received it. And so the first king of Israel is a Benjaminite. That's the Old Testament. Let's jump into the New Testament and find out does God change his ways. And in the New Testament, you have here, if someone else thinks, this is the Apostle Paul talking. Okay, this is Saul of Tarsus talking right here. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more, and it's of the people of Israel and of the tribe of, Jew, of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. This is the apostle Paul talking, whose name was Saul. It was Saul in the Old Testament, a descendant of, of Jacob, and now it is Saul in the New Testament, a Benjaminite, who is also doing what God said he would do, that, he, that this gospel would go all over the world, that I will use you to bless nations. That's what he told Jacob. So these two that I've just given you are not defined by the process. They are defined by the promise, and the promise is something God makes and you receive. God makes it and you receive it. And when it doesn't look good for your kids, you say, Lord, I'm still, I'm standing right here. You promised me. Right now, I'm believing for a young man and a, and a family right now. God told me some years ago when he was really going away, uh, God said, he will serve God in a non-traditional way. The word came. And every day, I pray that. And he's still not doing the, the best. He's over, overseas in China, in Singapore, Hong Kong. He's all over the place over there. I want to close tonight understanding that we can have an opportunity to say, Lord, I choose tonight to reach back to the promise.
knowing that I have been, in the words of Genesis 35, through some awful hard labor. In fact, as I told you, I think message says it's hard, hard, and you probably would add one more hard. But that doesn't define who you are. What defines who you are is what God said you would be. And tonight you're here, and I want to say a prayer for you, that you would recognize that regardless of the process, the promise is still as good as the day God gave it. And God said, I love you. I will never leave you. I will bless you. I will care for you. God said, I will heal you. He said, I give you precious promises that you might continue to take my strength all the way through. And tonight, as we're just closing together, I love this atmosphere. We're together. And I, and I, if I think of my life, there's been some hard hard labor. Uh, you're looking at your marriage and you said, you know, you know, we're here. That's a miracle. We're still alive. All of these things. And because you've gone through difficulty and because your, your marriage or your family or whatever it is you're grazed with, or because there was abuse on you as a child, or and especially with this, the, 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 the outrageous things that are coming out these days about people being abused, in the, and the, that, that, that powerful man who three of his daughters were abused by that, that wicked doctor, and the man almost would like to kill him right there in the courtroom. No one can blame him. But that's the process. All of those girls are beautiful girls, and they are leaders in the world in gymnastics. That's the product. And we cannot dwell on the process. They learn certain things. And so tonight I just ask you where you are. Maybe you would say, I, I just need prayer tonight. I need prayer. And there'll be people here to pray for you at the end of the service. And your prayer will be like this. You know, I... I've got bogged down in the process. I got bogged down. I was driving and I hit a muddy area. I hit an icy area and, 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 and my vehicle slid off the road and I, I'm over in the woods somewhere. I'm, I'm off to the side. And tonight you would say, I, I, I ask you, God, I want to touch the promise again. I want to lay hold of what you have for me because in that day you will say it was there. The promise was there. And anything that I'm holding on to that's dragging me down, a relationship that somehow has got a hold of me and, and it's in my hand, I choose to throw it aside in order that that thing that is temporary, that is only materialistic in some ways, I lay it down in order that I might become all that you want me to do and fulfill the potential for which I have been born. If I, I'm born to be a king, I am born to be a judge. I'm born to be a doctor. I'm born to be a, 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 a whatever it is that's on your mind. And, and God will make it possible. You say, what is a long line? You got to get online. You got to do this. It's okay. Don't, 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 don't ever narrow God down to your timetable. It's better you hold to his promise and forget your timetable than to say, because he's not doing it in your timetable, he's not going to do it. So today we're saying, Lord, I, 
I choose you. I choose to be everything you want me to be. Why don't you bow your head with me in prayer right now? After this, pastor's going to come and pray with you. Let's just let the Holy Spirit work in our lives right now. The process has been deep. The process has left some scars along the way. For Jacob, it left him limping the rest of his life. But he was safer after the scar, after the limp, than he was before. Because there are things that God do, does to us and allows us to go through that make us stronger in the end. Stronger in the end. Can you just say, Lord Jesus, I, I lay it down. I don't want to drag. I admit to you, Lord, that I was making progress for a while, but I got bogged down again. Because the nature of the enemy is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's the nature of the enemy. But the nature of Jesus is to say, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He's here for life. Right where you are, without anybody looking around, I'm not looking around, you just, between you and God, raise your hand and say, Lord, I choose to let go of anything that's slowing me down and I embrace the promise itself because that promise is made by you not dependent on me it's been made by you I embrace that promise I am not Benoni I am Benjamin I am the one at the Father's right hand I receive the promise tonight you would just reach your hand and say Lord Jesus I pray I pray for all of us Lord that as we reach beyond ourselves, we would find great strength from one another. But Lord, we want to find strength because we found that we're no longer in sinking sand. Our feet are on the rock of promise. You said you'd love us. You said you'd never reject us. When the prodigal returned home, the father ran and received him and embraced him. And so Lord, that's who you are. And because you're that way, our failings do not deter your success. So we pray right now for this precious group of people as they together, together all of us, embrace to ourselves as tight as we can the promise of God. I will bless you. I will use you. you your life counts. I have created you. I will use you. And in the end, you will bless many nations. I receive it now, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.